All right, there we go. Welcome everybody to another episode of Workflow Wednesday, where we have industry experts come on and uh, answer some questions, give a little word about their workflow and things like that. Today we're joined by Jay Littman, freelance video editor, and our local resident, uh, Matt Bach, senior labs technician. Um, so just as I like to start off, just in case nobody knows, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, a little background and all that good jazz, Jay. Uh, yeah, uh, like you said, I'm a I'm a YouTuber, freelance video editor, um, and and that's it. I started off editing. Uh, I've been doing it for about two years, but uh, it's it's the one thing that I, I love doing, uh, pretty much more than anything else. <laughs> nice, right on. Yeah. Uh, I I know I so I went I went way back and I watched um like your first very very first like two videos and uh mm. it's very cool to see where you've come uh or how far I suppose you've come in just two years actually it was pretty cool yeah and those aren't even my first two videos I have another oh. channel that I never ever ever talk about because it's it's literally just video <laughs> after video of me i when i was i was gearing up to finally go full time uh trying to grow a life coaching business um i i was i was recording youtube videos in my phone uh, in my car hey. on the way to work and on the way home. I would just put mm -hmm. my phone in the uh, in the little dash mount of my car and I would just rant to my phone uh, for, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes. I wouldn't edit it and I would just upload it to, to YouTube. That's oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It I was, dig it. They were they were bad. I, well, it's funny you mention that because I've done similar um, on Twitch. Uh, I've done those sort of like stream of consciousness kind of things. It's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Oh, nice. That's a good way to start. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, cool. We got we got people coming in already. That's great. Um, so one thing uh, that uh, just for me, I'm just going to jump right into this. One thing that stood out for me um, when I was looking through some of your videos and stuff was one that was labeled. I am not a DaVinci Resolve guy. <laughs> And so I thought I thought this was gonna I thought it was gonna be more related to um, some some comments in your bio about you being more of an audio production sort of sort of background, mm -hmm. um, but then it, it it didn't quite go that way. And I was I was curious to know uh, a little bit more about that side of things. You're not a DaVinci Resolve guy, but all of your content or a good portion of it is is centered around that. So that's an that's an interesting story. Um, I I. St <laughs> I started this this particular YouTube channel uh, again, life coaching business, right? That and and mm -hmm. a lot of my earlier content that I actually deleted off of the channel um, is was all based on that, right? It was all with the goal to to grow that business, and um, eventually, I, I absolutely fell in love with editing when I finally switched over. I started off on a Chromebook editing and Wii video, which is just bad. If the free version only lets you uh, export in 480p. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad. So uh, I went from that to Filmora and Filmora was cool. But when I when I jumped over to Premiere, when I, it dawned on me that I, I already had Photoshop and Lightroom and the rest of the Adobe Cloud Suite, mm -hmm. uh, I I started editing in Premiere Pro and I realized like very quickly, like I made my first vlog is what happened. It was my first non-talking head video. That's on my channel. It's the, uh, um, whoa, I can't even remember the name of the video. Why I'm so happy, I think is the mm -hmm. name of that video. <laughs> and uh, it was literally a, just a, a day in the life vlog. And I made that 
and I cut it together and my brain just exploded. And I was like, this is what I want to be doing. I just want to make videos and very quickly learned that editing was my favorite part of making videos. Um, So I was kind of going back and forth at that point. Like it would be like, I would learn something new then I would teach it to my audience, right? But in between all of that, there was a lot of vlogs uh, that just weren't going anywhere. Um, And Premiere Pro eventually started not working on my laptop because my laptop was just not built for video editing, uh, especially not on something like Premiere Pro. Mm -hmm. Uh, Came across DaVinci Resolve and I started using it and I was like, let's do a comparison video. Let's see where that goes. And I did, I did my, the first DaVinci Resolve versus Premiere Pro video. And that was the first video on my channel to hit 10,000 subscribe or 10,000 views. And I was like, Ooh, and everybody's like, you have to do a follow-up. You have to do a follow-up. So I did DaVinci Resolve versus Premiere Pro six months later. That mm-hmm. video I think is now either approaching or past 300,000 views. Um, And it just seemed like I would do a video that had nothing to do with editing, nothing to do with DaVinci Resolve, it would tank. And then I would do a video that had something to do with DaVinci Resolve and it would do really, really well. Um, So I just started leaning into the DaVinci Resolve thing. But in the back of my head was like, I don't want to get pigeonholed, right? Sure. I don't just want, I don't want to be a DaVinci Resolve channel. I want to talk about video editing, right? I want to talk about filmmaking. Um, and, And so that the whole purpose of that video was after basically a year of really leaning into DaVinci Resolve and almost getting sick of it. Um, <laughs> it, it you know, I was, I was getting sick of constantly talking about DaVinci Resolve and, and the whole thing, that whole point of that video was like, look, coming up, I'm going to keep doing those tutorials, but I'm going to do some more creative projects. I'm going to do some more vlogs. I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about video editing as a whole. And, you know, because I'm, I'm not, I'm not a DaVinci Resolve guy. I'm a video editing guy. Sure. And so like you'll notice there's a clear break, you know, after January, there's, Mm -hmm. it's it's almost half and half. There's a bunch of DaVinci Resolve stuff, but then there's a bunch of stuff that's just, there's about editing gear, about the art of cutting footage. There's all sorts of stuff. So that's the story behind that video. Yeah, DaVinci Resolve is so interesting to me because it's, it's so popular in certain like circles, you know, especially the people looking for free um, stuff that then later they can upgrade to the studio version. Uh, but like, I mean, it's it's used widely even in the really high end market for coloring, mm-hmm. uh, just not for editing as much yet. But what's really weird to me is how it's, it has that popularity, but there's very little like tutorials and stuff. Like you try to Google something, like you see like the very basic stuff, but mm-hmm. there's no like in-depth things like there is for Premiere. Like Premiere, man, you want to know how to do anything, you can find a tutorial for it. It's the same right. like After Effects or <laughs> Photoshop. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it just feels like Resolve. It's like there's this like void of content about it. Um, so it's great seeing like your stuff. And that's probably why they do so well is because there's like a hunger for it. Yeah, there was there was definitely a white space, especially more so a, a, a couple, you know, what was it? I guess we're almost two years ago now um, mm-hmm. when I started doing DaVinci Resolve content. There was definitely a much bigger white space than there is now. The, now there's there's a lot of people 
uh, doing. I mean, it's only been three or four years since they added the editing stuff. Yeah. What was it? DaVinci Resolve 12 or 14? I know it was an even number. Yeah. (laughs) I remember weird things like that, but, (laughs) uh, but it was one of those, I think it might've been 12 where they started adding the video editing capabilities before that it was Mm. just color grading. Um, and, and now there's, yeah, now, now it's a full suite and it is definitely gaining momentum. Uh, and and now it's it's basically discussed, like if you're looking for professional video editing software, a lot, I mean, most people they're looking either between Premiere Pro and DaVinci Resolve, or if they're on a Mac, they're looking between Premiere Pro, DaVinci Resolve or Final Cut. And then every once in a while, somebody pops in and says, but what about Avid? But other than that, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's it's those three. Those are the those are the big three right now. Yeah, we hear a little bit of requests for like Vegas, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's a, for us, it's yeah. about the same between Vegas and Avid, because Avid is just so weird. Like it's, that's the super high end, you know, TV shows kind of stuff. Um, yeah, well, that was Hollywood. the industry. Sta- that was the industry standard for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, for a long, long time. And it, I mean, this is, we're getting down a rabbit hole here, but I, I feel like they just <laughs> they became so much of an industry standard that they became complacent and just they just coasted. And you're just even seeing just now in the last year or two, they, they did like a big old redesign to their whole interface. And mm-hmm. now all the Avid users hate it because it's different. <laughs> they have to do something or they're just going to keep bleeding people over to Resolve and Premiere and all those yep. other guys. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, here's me saying, I want to try Avid. I love trying news. I have a whole series on my channel where I just try new editing software. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, neat. DaVinci da Resolve guy tries. And uh, I, I just... <laughs> I've done so far, I've only done three. Uh, I've got a f- couple more in the works. One of them is actually on a on a tablet. I have a Samsung Galaxy Tab S6, and I really want to do DaVinci Resolve Guy tries Kinemaster, uh, which is a, a, a mobile, probably the closest thing to a, a professional editing app you can get on Android. Have and, you tried Rush? Uh, I have tried Rush, although Rush is not available on the tablet. Oh, really? Yes. I have, it on my, I have it on my phone. I can do it on my phone, but Android tablets do not support Adobe Rush right now, uh, huh. which, is, which is interesting. But so I'm going to do that. But I've done uh, I've done Movavi, uh, mm-hmm. and then I did InVideo, which is like an online short form via, uh, video creator thing, and uh, and then I recently just did uh, actually Vegas Pro 18, which just got launched. Um, so mm-hmm. I I did that one as well, and I'm working on doing one for actually the whole. Uh, new Vegas was a Vegas post which is the whole suite of tools it's got the compositor and, and all that stuff so I'm gonna be trying that out as well that's cool I can't imagine there's I'm I feel like there there really can't be that much difference between the actual like execution of you know they're all editing software so like how much different could they really be like you're all trying to accomplish the same thing that's like the difference mm-hmm. between six different hammers yeah, that's that's true. And I come from construction. So <laughs> so let me tell you, six different hammers. There really there are so many different kinds of hammers. But it really is a lot of the tools are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the tools are the same until you get into things like After Effects versus Fusion, where okay. those are completely different mechanics altogether for the most part when it comes to choosing between software it it 
has to do with workflow. Mm-hmm. Okay. It has to do with, you know, which, because they may have the same tools, but they're laid out differently. You use mm. them in a, in a different manner. Um, okay. Now, some of them, you know, the, there's more color grading tools in DaVinci Resolve than right. in Premiere Pro. But when it comes to like basic editing, cutting footage and, and stuff like that, all of the tools are there. It's just a matter of which workflow connects best with your brain. And when I, I felt, and this is nothing against Premiere Pro, uh, and I think a lot of people don't get that when I talk about the differences between softwares, is like, I don't have anything against, I, I don't think one is better than the other. Okay. Um, I, I just can connect with the workflow in one better than the other. When I was with Premiere Pro, I felt confused pretty much the whole time. Yeah. When I jumped over to DaVinci Resolve, it just clicked. It, it mm-hmm. was, I learned it a lot faster than I did with Premiere yeah. Pro. That's just funny because. Sorry, go oh, ahead. Here's... No, it, I, what I, I've I dabbled with it with Resolve a little bit myself, um, and it, it looks it looks to be set up in a in a good flow. Like you just go from one tab to the next to the next, and then you're just done. Like you, and it's that seemed right. like a smart way of doing things. Yeah, yeah it was trying to do that, but. Yeah, they do. I mean, yeah, they they do. I mean, they have their their color, you know, their color tab, which is like almost the same interface, just rearranged, you know, yeah. with each one. And um, I, I honestly never used those. I felt like every time I clicked Ooh. on one of those, I got lost all over again. I basically stayed. There's one that says like all tools or all tabs or something like that, where it basically gives you everything you need. And I kind of I kind of lived in there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. For for a while, um, and I knew how to get to each individual tool that I needed, but it it, it always felt. I always felt a little bit lost. And like I said, that's nothing against Premiere Pro. It's just, I guess, the yeah. way my brain works. When I got to DaVinci Resolve, it was like, oh, well, this is, this makes sense until I got to Fusion. And then I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. I'm kind of the opposite. Like, I, I dabble in both. I mean, I'm not a professional editor by any means, uh, but I dabble in both. And to me, if I'm going to do something really quick, I always default to using Premiere for some reason. I don't, I don't know why, um, but I, I just do. Um, but like Resolve and Blackmagic, I really love their like philosophy behind everything and like how they put out their own training videos of how to do things and mm. like everything, the whole like free model that has everything that someone who just needs free software is going to need. And then if they want to upgrade to get like the you know GPU accelerated encoding and decoding, the open effects, you know, noise reduction, like you don't need that if you're just like a game streamer editing videos. But once right. you need those, then it's only like a $200 license or, or whatever it is. Like yes. that's awesome. $300 one time lifetime license and you get it for two computers, which is nice. Um, yeah, and, and so the pricing, I mean, to be honest, I I was on the free version for a long time and I only upgraded. It's funny, a bunch of people gave me gave me uh they they were they were making fun of me because I actually <laughs> upgraded on Valentine's Day. <laughs> so I spent $300 on myself on Valentine's Day. <laughs> and everybody was like, you better have gotten your girlfriend a really good gift. <laughs> but uh, I, I upgraded mostly for that noise reduction and the GPU acceleration. Um, <clears throat> because now, because by that point, I had upgraded the laptop. 
and I actually had like a relatively decent GPU and I could actually take advantage of that GPU acceleration. So figured I've got the money, the channel's making a little bit of money. I've got a couple freelance projects and let's go ahead and upgrade because we're at the point where I'm going to need to do more. So I don't know if we've got any questions yet, but I'm going to throw in my own like yeah, workflow kind of question. So you mm -hmm. mentioned you, you got it for the noise reduction. Um, mm -hmm. Curious, how do you handle noise reduction in your workflow since it's it's so heavy? Like you're not going to turn on noise reduction and then edit. Do you like do it at the start and then like export and then re bring back in um, footage that is has already been you know noise reduced or whatever the term is, or do you like leave it to the very end? I leave it for the very end. Um, so what I'll do, so I, I, for anybody who's watching who knows nothing about DaVinci Resolve, the noise reduction, the studio noise reduction lives in the color page and uh, color grading in DaVinci Resolve is all done in nodes. Just think of nodes as layers. So what I do is the very first node, I leave blank. I do all of my color grading in nodes two and beyond. And then when everything is done, and I'm talking everything, effects, audio, color, all of it's done, then I will go back and I'll go to that first node and I'll do my noise reduction. And so that's, I've just found better results when I do the noise reduction, hmm. you know, when it, when it comes first in the grading process, uh, but it's so heavy that I actually have to go back and do it. Yeah, later, you're I, right. It is. It is that and super scale are the two heaviest things that I use. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I've I, heard I, that there's a way to like mass turn on or off nodes. I haven't actually gotten into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, but so if you're on a PC, you just hit Alt D, and that'll take off all the nodes, but only on the clip. That yeah, you I, I meant. I, I've heard there's a way like you can disable all of the first nodes on every clip. So like you could actually have yeah. noise reduction on that first node. You can make sure that like it looks fine and then you just disable it and at the very end, you just enable all of those first nodes and then you can export. The but only way that I know how to do it, and I actually do this, um, is if you put a bunch of clips into a group. Oh, okay. Um, and then you can do the noise reduction or you can do the noise reduction, do all your grading and then turn off that noise reduction. Um, then it'll be, you know, it'll be the same thing as turning it off for all of the clips. Cause, yeah. but I honestly, what I've started doing, if I need to, if it starts to get heavy is uh, I'll do, cause I have my problem with doing noise reduction last is I will forget to do it. <laughs> I, there, I, there are a couple videos on, on my channel where like I've uploaded everything, it's it's gone out, it's public, and I'll be watching it back and I'll be like, I totally forgot to do noise reduction. <laughs> so what I will do is I'll actually do all my color grading, including noise reduction. And I will go over in your playback monitor, there's that little symbol where you can turn all of the effects and grades off across mm -hmm. the entire video. Oh, and I'll just I'll just click that to dis disable everything and continue on with my edit. How, how often do you have to use noise reduction? Is it mostly in like darker shots or do you just do it on everything? It's, it's, I don't do it on everything. I do it in almost every video that's on my channel hmm. uh, because I shoot on a, a Canon, uh, what's my camera? Canon SL2, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, it, it 
it's discontinued by Canon for one. You can like pick them up on eBay for less than 500 bucks uh, mm. with, with the kit lens. And it's a great camera that my, my problem is it shoots, you know, eight bit H.264. And I am stubborn and I will push every piece of footage I get like it is 10 bit raw. So there's there's always you know a certain level of noise in my in, in my personal videos. So I, I use them use it in basically all my videos. Okay, interesting. I don't know. It took. I have to admit, it took me a second to realize you guys were talking about the video sort of noise reduction and not like a quieter computer. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I, I caught on quick enough. I, I saw what was going on. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you've got noise reduction on the audio and video, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the noise There's reduction something... on the audio stuff is getting pretty cool recently. There's a lot of stuff being done with like artificial intelligence being used. I'm, I'm using it right now. Like I'm using uh, NVIDIA's RTX voice because I have screaming kids in the other room oh. and no one can ever hear it. Yeah. Nice. Amazing. Same. I haven't tried it's that out. For the AC. I should. It, it's so good. Like, I mean, if, stuff, if, if it's too loud, your audio quality will start to degrade. But with right. stuff like kids or something, like I would rather my audio slightly degrade for that, you know, couple of seconds then you know have screaming kids or door slamming or whatever i i should use that because we've got you know animals roommate my (laughs) studio has doesn't have walls or a door Uh, so basically this wall this wall and there's the the big bay window directly in front of me that's it and then over here is like open and so I'm constantly dealing with with yeah, noise. it's absolutely amazing. I, I'm like so tempted to be like I'm just gonna give you a demo right now, but no, we've got more important <laughs> things to talk about. But yeah, give it a shot. You just need a, a Nvidia uh, video card, uh, which mm-hmm. I mean, the system you just got from us has two, two, one. I don't actually remember the specs. I'm show myself. I'm sorry. Say that again. <laughs> Oh, just you'll need a, uh, an NVIDIA graphics card for the um, RTX voice thing. And uh, I think the machine you have now. Yeah. Oh, the machine I have now has two of them. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're we're good to go. We're, yeah. We got two, Which, uh, two, two eight gigabyte RTX 2080 supers. Nice. nice. Yeah. yeah, that's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah. So so I was I was editing the unboxing of mm-hmm. the of the computer i was editing it and rendering it out at like one o'clock in the morning uh <laughs> and and for context i get up at 4 a.m every day but Ooh. yeah but i, I just, <laughs> it's this, this is like the story of my of my entire week but um i was editing it out and i was getting to render and i was just like i'm just going i'm going to put I'm going to put noise reduction and super scale on this video, nine minute long video, and just pray to the editing gods that it doesn't (laughs) Because that on the laptop would have been easily a three hour render if it didn't completely crash DaVinci Resolve. Mm -hmm. I I rendered this video out on this new machine in 20 minutes. The super two, two super, to one uh, for like time video length to render times. Not bad. With yeah, noise so reduction and yeah, noise reduction and super scaled three times super scaled. So yeah, it was. I was just like, I I can't believe. Uh, wow, I figured I was gonna render it out and then go to bed and then wake up and upload it, but. <laughs> 
I, I saw it. I was like, does that really say 20 minutes? It was like 19 minutes and 52 seconds. And I was like, I'll just stay awake and upload it tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. It. We made your insomnia worse. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's fun. It's, it's fine. It. I'm, I'm used to this. I have, I have a kid. So I'm, I'm used to the no sleep thing. <laughs> So we do have we do have one question from uh, from YouTube that okay. might have been answered by somebody else, but just in case, uh, so we can have a, a, another perspective. Um, Hakon Broderlund asks: uh, Many edit with footage on SSD and archive on hard drive. Uh, how do you archive DaVinci Resolve projects while still having clips linked in the project if you have to go back? <clears throat> Very good question. Huh? I actually don't. <laughs> Uh, so here's, I mean... here's here's my typical my typical workflow. Um, I will edit I edit off the internal SSD, and I have a ten terabyte uh, ten terabyte G technology external hard drive that I put all my archival stuff on. And basically, what I will do is if I have to get back into the project for whatever reason, I will I will just go and relink the media because you can do top level relinking. So you don't have to go clip by clip by clip by clip by clip. And if you have your projects organized correctly, mm-hmm. then all your footage should be there and you click three buttons and everything's relinked and you can just keep going. So I just make sure that I organize my projects, you know, right off the bat. And, uh, and from there I can just relink the media. Yeah, the other thing you can do, I, I want to get the things right, so I'm launching Resolve here, um, is in your <laughs> preferences, um, there's the media storage and mm-hmm. there's media storage locations and you can add another location. And basically, if you have two locations, so like your SSD and your hard drive, if the right. file structure, folder structure is the same underneath those or for whatever folder you put, uh, if the fo- folder structure is the same underneath it, it'll automatically relink. Um, and they, they did oh. that so that you could have like, you know, files at work and at home over VPNs and whatever, and it'll automatically relink. Um, it also works great if you have mixed Mac and PC workflows, because mm-hmm. then you have both of those, you, you link the, you know, mount location on Mac and the mount location on PC, and it'll automatically like do all of that relinking when you open up a project. So if you have your hard drive and your SSD as media storage locations, it should just automatically work. Oh, nice, look at that. Learn something new every day. I'm gonna have to set yeah, that up. Neat. See, well, I mean, this is this is a new workflow for me. You know, mm-hmm. what, I've, what I've been doing, because I mean, that laptop, one hard drive. So everything got edited and stored off of that 10 terabyte external. I mean, luckily, luckily it connected via Thunderbolt 3. It was fast. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it didn't hinder me too much. But now that I can actually edit off of internal, um, now I have to look into that because that's... Yeah, it's really cool. I heard about this a couple of years ago. I, I'm super fortunate that I get to go out to like shows like NAB and like just mm-hmm. go to sessions to learn like what are people doing. And that was one of those things in some session about Resolve. I was like, oh, that's, that's really cool. Nice. I think that was one about like uh, workflows, like multi-user workflows. They were using a Mac mini as the database server the SQL database server and then like how uh-huh. you can like have Macs and PCs you know pull the project files off of that Mac mini and then edit with local storage and oh that's they so made neat. it very complex <laughs> <laughs> but it worked that's cool. and that's cool it worked 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I love about DaVinci Resolve is like, it just seems like I haven't really found anything. I haven't found anything necessary that I can't do. You know, I like wish the projects were easier to back up because you have to like, that export would be, the database. Yeah, that's that would be nice. I actually have, since I, I'm a G Suite customer, so I have unlimited storage in Google Drive. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll back it up and I have uh, Google Drive file stream downloaded on the computer. So I'll literally just back up right to there. Right. Um, and then I get my backups in Google Drive and because... It's always good to have offsite backup. Yeah. Do you back cool, up all sure. of your media into Google Drive or how, how do you all of my them? media? No, no. Yeah. Um, how do you handle backups? I mean, or... I back, I back up my database after every editing day. I will back up. Oh, okay. Um, but as far as media is concerned, media, um, media will live on my computer for roughly unless I fall behind about six to nine months. Okay. Um, Cause I've never really had to go back to mm-hmm. old footage, especially with the talking head stuff that I do. There's rarely anything that I, that I can really go back to. Um, the one thing that I do keep forever are the finished videos, the final products. Those I keep forever. And those are also backed up in Google drive. Um, so, but other than that, I don't, there was like, a, I think at first, when I first really got into editing and everybody, you know, editors, here's the thing about editors, we're, we're footage hoarders, right? We, we don't want to let go of any piece of footage. It's, a, it's like a heartbreak. It's like letting go of your children every single time. Uh, so I think for like the first year, every six months, I would put everything into a zip file. So I probably have a good year's worth of actual footage that I have never gone back to touch. I've, <laughs> I've never, ever, it's just taking up space. But I, I did, I, I zipped an entire year's worth of footage, final videos, everything. And and that's all sitting in my Google Drive right now. Hmm. Just taking up space because <laughs> you're never, ever going to use it. <laughs> yeah, basically, I, I, never. I mean, one, it's they're horrible videos. Because like I, when I started editing, I, one, came from an audio background. I'm a musician, been a musician since I was 11. I just turned 37. So 26 years I've been a musician. And a lot of that time was spent in recording studios. Uh, We're really good friends with our producer. So I actually learned how to mix audio. And so when I came in, it was one with an audio background and two wanting to learn how to cut right that was like Mm -hmm. the most important thing i want to learn how to cut the footage tell a good story i tried my hand at color grading it never turned out well so like i've got a year's worth of videos that are colored horribly uh, (laughs) that hopefully tell a good story and that have relatively decent audio because as as much of an audio background as i had audio editing for music and audio editing for video are vastly different Right. So, you know, and actually on the topic of audio, how do you, what do you think of the uh, Fairlight section of Resolve? Do you use uh, it much? I use it every video. Okay. Every single video. I Every tool that I need is is in there. There are a couple tools that I wish they had. The, the couple things that I, I do miss from 
my Adobe days mm-hmm. uh, are one, the essential audio where you can just like label something. This is this is dialogue, this is sound effects, this is music, and you just click and it'll auto normalize and everything. So I, I miss that because that's a that just gives you a great starting point for editing audio. And then the other thing that I miss is their voice leveler, but that's more in Audition than Premiere. Uh, whenever I have an audio only project, I still go back to Audition, but I, I, I would love a voice leveler. I use the Era 4 Accusonus, uh, the Accusonus Era 4 bundle, and they have a voice leveler in there, but I don't like the results that I get from it. Every, uh, all of the, the tools are, are amazing. It's just that one, I can never tweak it right. It seems like, hmm. I actually talked about this in my live stream today, but the way that it works is, you know, you have audio that's up here, you got audio that's down here, and the voice leveler is supposed to level them out. Right. But it seems like what it does is it keeps the the louder parts up here, and then it just boosts the lower parts. Mm-hmm. And so when you're playing it back, the lower the parts that were low sound drastically different from the parts that were already loud enough and Adobe have been the only ones that have given me an acceptable result from hmm. voice from voice level. I have to say that's something I the so like in this in this setting after this I'm going to pull the audio from this recording and I have the hardest time um I guess normalizing the audio, like getting everybody to sound like right now, I know Matt is going to sound way louder than the two of us. Um, and, and having those all come out the same and also having them all kind of match all the rest of the episodes is, has been a horrendous struggle for me. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Adobe audition voice leveler. Okay. Uh, okay. Because a, a lot of times I just try and tweak it inside of Premiere. Um, I'll have to. I'll have to dig around. I don't know if the. I don't know if the voice leveler is is available in Audition or in Premiere. I know it's okay. available in Audition, and yeah, if you if you put that on there, it'll do a good job of at least getting it like right in the ballpark where it's acceptable. And then after mm-hmm. that, you just normalize. You know your project. Make sure all of your projects are normalized to the same level. And, okay. And you're good to go. Cool. Uh, let's see. Oh, we have a question for Jay from Garrett Reviews. Uh, Da Vinci is is great, but things like Filmora 9 has so many options when it comes to transitions and effects. Is Da Vinci worth the learning curve as you have to do everything manually? Uh, it, it depends, right? And this is like that, that cheesy YouTuber answer, but it, it, it really does. It really does depend on what you want to do, right? Like if you want to get into professional editing, or if you go through the transitions in Filmora and you just don't like any of them, um, you know, then yes, it's 100% worth the learning curve. It was worth it for me. But at the same time, if your goal is to make, you know, good looking YouTube videos and have the option of, of dragging some effects into there and dragging some transitions into there and making it look, you know, good, then Filmora is great for that. Like, honestly, DaVinci Resolve, it was built. And this is the same thing with Premiere Pro and the same thing with Avid and basically anything that was built for professionals 
it's made to allow you to have the options to build things from the ground up so you have that flexibility. But if you don't need that flexibility, if you're fine with the pre-built stuff that other software gives you, mm -hmm. it's cheaper, it's lighter on your computer, and it's easier, why wouldn't you go for it? Use the tool that's right for you. Yeah. And Resolve does have a lot of transition packs. You can just go, there's a lot of free ones. There's a lot of pretty cheap ones. Mm -hmm. um, so just like, you know, Premiere, you, you can go and get some transition packs if you really want to get fancy, do some glitch transitions and all of those kind of things. Oh yeah. yeah. I remember when I was when I was using Adobe, there was a, a, a transitions pack called Handy Seamless Transitions mm -hmm. that I absolutely loved. And I wish whoever made that would make a DaVinci Resolve version because they, they're to this date are the best pre-made transitions that I've ever used. Nice. Mm. But yeah, it definitely does. Like, like I was saying before, like there's that void of like content for Resolve. Same thing with like plugins. Like, anything that was there. like, that was my big, my last uh, DaVinci Resolve versus Premiere Pro six months later. Um, that was like one of my big things is like Adobe, if you want assets, if you want tutorials, you want, you want all that stuff, you could throw a rock and hit somebody who can help you with DaVinci Resolve. It's a lot less so, but actually there, that's, that's changing a little bit, a lot, uh, a, a bunch of the DaVinci Resolve YouTubers have actually kind of, we've banded together. Uh, one of us, Jake Whip, he started a discord server. Um, <laughs> where you can go and there are people like myself and him and a couple, you know, a few other, uh, Billy Ribka is a, a really good one. And there's a few others that are in there just ready to answer questions and, and ready to help, help you, you know, solve problems that you may come across. And so that's, that's pretty cool. So now there's, there's that resource, which honestly is one of the best resources. Um, and I'm not just saying it cause I'm a part of it. I actually believe that. <laughs> It's kind of a one-stop shop and you can get help with effects, audio, everything. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, right one. Let me see. There was a, another question about streaming. Um, oh, okay. here it is. Um, also from Garrett. Uh, when you live stream, how does it get to 1080p or 4K? Which camera rules the host? So I think that was directed more for us. Um, oh, yeah. But um, I think that is. Yeah. Pretty sure it's the host, though. Yeah. Um, so for us, it's um, so I'm the host. Uh, it's a 1080p 30fps stream out of OBS. I'm capturing the Zoom meeting window, um, but then I have a nice handy cam um, being captured with a HD60s, which is the main my main camera in Zoom, uh, and then everybody else. I'm not sure what you guys are using, but it looks good. I use my Canon webcam. <laughs> for me, it's just a webcam. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been talking for a while about like maybe trying Skype because Skype does uh, in, is it NDI N NDI yeah NDI episodes. So like there's been a lot of requests for Zoom to add NDI, so you could actually take this the camera streams and, and pull them directly rather than just like doing a screen capture. That would be man cool. if they could add that, that'd be amazing. Especially with how many of these like things like this are happening right. right now with all the you know lockdown stuff. Yeah. They two of the two of the big ones that you might want to look into um are StreamYard. Ooh, which uh, yeah StreamYard StreamYard's really big right now and then there's another one um but I can't remember the name of it. I 
I can't remember, but there's there's one, and it, it all lives online. There's no software to download or anything, um, and and it's everything that I have seen from them has like every stream that I've seen that has gone through StreamYard has been like really high quality. You can you can highlight uh, you can highlight comments from the chat on the screen. Uh, and yeah, it's it's really it's that's nice, cool. Nice little program. Yeah, it's really cool. But yeah, I'll have to look into that. It looks it, it looks really neat actually. Just I'm just on their main website and it looks pretty cool. Um, so I'll have to have to dig into that because we also use Restream IO. Uh, that's push it. Out that's to... the one I was thinking of. Okay, because uh, that's how that's how we're doing this on Twitch, uh, Periscope, and YouTube uh, all at the same time. Oh, so you? Oh, wow. Okay nice yeah uh so that's pretty cool uh streamer is web-based no need for an app oh that's cool this, yeah i'll have to look into that it looks neat uh let's see garrett's wondering um if you are brand new to resolve how long is needed to become proficient what is a reasonable expectation garrett's with all the questions um <laughs> garrett, garrett's a good guy he's one of my channel members actually um oh, right he uh, so if you're brand new to resolve, I think it depends on a couple things. <laughs> it depends. Um, it depends on a couple <laughs> things. One, one, how much prior editing you know experience do you have in other software? Uh, it, what software are you coming from, and how much work are you going to put into it? If you have a good amount, like for me, I came from Premiere Pro. I had a decent amount of time using it, uh, not enough to be like an authority on the subject, but enough to be able to put out a decent looking and sounding video. And I was, you know, editing all the time. So I was going to be learning rather quickly. And for me, it was, it was fairly quick. Other people, you know, people who just are brand new to video editing and brand new to DaVinci Resolve, it's going to take you a while because not only do you have to learn the tools available in DaVinci Resolve, but you also have to learn, you know, how do you actually edit a video? Uh, so it, and it, it really does depend on where you're coming from and, you know, how hard are you willing to work? How much time are you willing to put into it? How much time do you have available to put into it to learn? The more time, the more practice, the faster you learn. So reasonable expectation. I would say if you practice a little bit, you know, almost every day, you should have enough knowledge to put out a decent sounding and decent looking video in, you know, a month, I think, is reasonable. Everything's laid out so well. Just, you know, stay away from effects. Only learn basic color correction. Don't get into <laughs> color grading. And, you know, don't dive too far into audio. Just level things out and use noise reduction. You just get it. Get it sounding decent. Get it looking decent. Tell a cohesive story. You're good. You can figure out how to do that in a month easy. Nice. I'm curious. Nice. What do you think of? Uh, I can ask about specific about Resolve, but like the uh, the cut page versus the edit page. Do you think that using the cut page is useful for newer people, or do you think they should just skip and go straight to the edit page because it's the more powerful page or tab? I think you should learn how to use both. Uh, I I use both on larger projects. Oh, you do. So okay. What I, well, what I will do is I'll use the cut page to actually cut out the pieces of footage that I'm going to use in the video. Mm. And then when I'm ready to, you know, kind of refine the edit, I will go into the edit page and I'll start actually putting things where they need to go. So I, I think the cut page is a really good tool 
for for that for longer projects just scrubbing through footage figuring out what you're keeping what you're getting rid of uh hence cut page cutting room mm. floor yeah like it's it's really it's really a good tool for that and it's a good tool for for putting together quick videos so i think it depends again i'm so sick everything. of everything <laughs> But everything depends on your workflow and and what your what your goal is, right? If you just want to put together a quick video, you can put together a quick video in the cut page, no problem. They have tons of tools. It's definitely a lot different than the edit page, and it took me a little bit to really learn how to do it. Um, but it's it's there, and if you're just starting out in DaVinci Resolve and you're just like, I just want to put together a quick video, go for it. Use the cut page, absolutely. Um, but if you want to get into more complicated workflows, then I would learn how to use the edit page, and then I would learn how you can use the cut page and the edit page together. Hmm. Let's see. It's huh, a good answer. <laughs> yeah. So we have a we have one that I missed from Twitch. This is from uh, an old friend, Deddy. Uh, he he was wondering, uh, can we ask Jay about his current audio setup for streaming? Uh, I love how natural it's sounding, and I was curious about that too, especially because you you have a bit of an audio background. Uh, yeah. So currently, audio setup, I have an Octava MK12, which is a little pencil mic. Um, pencil mics are actually typically used as instrument microphones. Uh, they're really, really popular for, for overhead mics for drums, but they're mm. very, very good for picking up really good audio, especially in untreated rooms indoors. Shotguns are not good for indoor dialogue unless you're in a really well-treated room. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. Because there's, so shotguns have really good off axis uh, you know, off axis rejection. Uh huh. But front and back are on the same axis. Right. So you're going to pick up a lot from the back. Pencil mics, also known as sm small. Can't talk. Like, this is what happens when you've been talking for two hours. Small diaphragm <laughs> condensers is the technical name for a pencil mark. Okay. Pencil mic um, are really good at picking up just directional audio and rejecting it from everywhere else. So you'll still get a little bit of bounce, uh, a little bit of reverb, but it's not nearly as much as you would get with a shotgun mic. So I have that up here and that's running through my Focusrite Scarlett 2i2, which is my uh, USB audio interface. And then that's running into a USB three port on the back of the PC. Nice. Very simple setup. Yeah. And it's all connected to this weird little contraption that I built yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Which looks super cool I'd, when you had mentioned um, the DSLR, um, oh, DSLR video, video, video shoot. Yeah, and it's it's the first video that he's got up on on the on his landing page there. And um, oh, nice! Just a quick quick glimpse of the setup looks super cool. It's it's yeah, it's bizarre. It, my my desk looks like Doc Ock right now. So <laughs> <laughs> that's neat. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, oh, we have, we have some comments. One great thing about having a system that has enough power is the ability to skim over your footage without it slowing down. Also, you don't have to use proxies, which uh, I've heard from quite a few people is, is a bit of a pain. The whole using proxies and stuff. Using well, using proxies isn't a pain. Generating the proxies is a pain, um, and it, it's easy. Like the process is easy, but it takes forever for it to actually. Right 
do the conversion. I don't know what it is, but that uh, generating proxy files in DaVinci Resolve, that is one thing I will say is just downright needs to be fixed because it takes forever. I don't know what they're doing, but that is one thing that needs to be fixed. Uh, I, I try and avoid using proxies as much as possible. You know, laptop editing, you can't really avoid it, but it, it's, yeah, it's, right. it's not good. I will do every other smooth playback trick in the book before I generate proxy. Yeah, that might be something, Matt, you could comment on. What exactly is happening when when you're generating a, a proxy like what what's the deal there i mean all it is is you're just exporting it, it's just i mean in resolve they call it optimized media uh but i mean it's just proxies but all it is is it's just exporting it and then it's linking it kind of as like a secondary source for your footage that you can toggle between i mean and that's the same whether you're using premiere um, or DaVinci Resolve. I mean, you can make the proxies in Media Encoder and then link them in Resolve if you really wanted to. That's um, true. I don't know why you would, do, unless you wanted to use like ProRes proxies because you can't export to ProRes on Windows in Resolve. Uh, right. But I mean, it's, it's all just, it's just, if you were to take that clip, you know, a normal clip, stick it into the Deliver tab in Resolve and set it to the same settings as your proxies are, it'll take exactly as long to, to render that. So it, that's all it is, it's just a render. Yeah. Um, so oh. it's just all comes down to, I mean, I mean, there's some interesting things you could do if you wanted faster proxy generation. Um, not scaling it would probably actually make the proxies or the optimized media generate faster because it's not having to do any scaling. Right. Uh, so keeping it at the same resolution, but just the, I guess not the lightest weight, late weight codec, but the easiest to proxy to process, like a DNX HR is LB is the lowest. I forget which. I think LB is the lowest. Yeah. I can't remember if that's ProRes or DNX, but whatever, whatever the lowest is. I don't. Um, I mean, it's going to be what large files. I mean, that's that's the thing that is interesting to me from um, some like newer people into editing. Like, they think that proxies should be these tiny files where often the proxies are going to be bigger than your source footage. Uh, I mean, you could do tiny H.264 proxies and maybe your system will be able to edit it if you make them small enough and lower res and all that kind of jazz. But quality is going to be crap. It's it's uncompressing, basically, what you have. Mm -hmm. I mean... It's, have you ever seen the size of a of a of a uncompressed QuickTime file? It's huge. <laughs> it's huge. Huh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, I'm always learning new stuff when we do these sort of talks. So. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of the uh, AMD has the SSG video card. I forget how much RAM it has, video memory it has on it. It's like 48 gigs or something like that. And the, one of the big things they had was you can edit um, raw, uncompressed, red 8K real time uh, was their thing. Wow. Uh, but basically, all it was doing was it was creating, or no, it was like a two terabyte, like it basically a drive on the um, video card itself. But basically, okay. all it was doing was you would generate kind of proxies, but it would be uncompressed on stored on the video card so that it could play it back. But what they didn't tell you is that because it's uncompressed, if you did 8K, you could edit 90 seconds of footage at a time. And then you'd have to <laughs> basically re-render all of this proxy stuff again. And then you can do another 90 seconds. So like, wow. okay, it, it kind of looks okay on a demo, like on the NAB show floor, but anyone doing that in reality, because that's, that's all you get. If 90 that's seconds tricky. of 8K raw uncompressed fulfilled the two terabytes. 
Wow. She said, that's... Wow, that's it. Never got used in the real world. No one, no one's ever. Used well, it. yeah, because no. he's only doing ninety seconds at a time. That's exactly. crazy. I mean, I'm I'm working, you know, sixty to ninety seconds at a time. I'll I'll get. Mm-hmm. It depends on the project. Like for for the video that I've got coming out tomorrow, it took place. There's like four or five like definitive scenes in this video which is why i was so excited to edit it because i haven't done something like that on my channel in a while but i would go scene by scene and so that first one is like a minute a minute and five seconds something like that did 65 seconds i got the footage cut i got the audio done i got the color done everything was done i played it back I rendered it out to show to my little YouTube mastermind group and uh, and get their opinion, and then I moved on to the next little chunk. Okay. So I will I will oh. edit ninety seconds at a time, um, but I won't always render every single little section out. That's yeah. that's that extra part is is just too too. Yeah, much. it was a weird it was a weird weird workflow, and then they got like Adobe to like add it actually in as an official like when you ingest footage like there's an option to add all these things and yeah again i've never heard of anyone outside of like there are two people that they had like uh you know promote it you know these video editors like this is awesome like promote it and uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know what are you gonna do sometimes i feel like those companies are just making making things because they can like they don't know if there's a real use I mean, Intel yeah. does that all the time too. You don't. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you don't know if there's a use for it until you make it and find out that there is no, no. use for it. Yeah, there. Yeah, that does seem to be a thing because uh, you 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 have to try. You, you know, you got to put something out there because. Um, Otherwise, yeah, you, maybe you don't know. Like, it could it could become something useful, even if even if it doesn't seem like it off the bat. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, some people will put out something, and it's like, yeah, there's no use for that. And then, you know, five years later, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, somebody oh, okay. comes out somebody comes out with something else that has a problem that that thing that came out five years ago is actually a solution for so yeah so so i'll throw in another one of my questions here as we're on sure. this topic so black magic a little bit ago they they launched their 12k camera mm-hmm. um, i'm curious what your thoughts are on that because i have my own thoughts about 12k uh but i'm curious yours uh, i mean Look, if you're if you're if you're a YouTuber, don't even think about it. Like right, you're, yeah. you're never you're never gonna need it, right? That's that's my thing. And even like in most freelancing scenarios, you're not gonna need it. The only time you're gonna need it is if a client finds out that you have a camera that can do it, and then they're gonna insist that you do it. <laughs> but then you've got to work with the twelve K five. But then you got to work that. with it, and that's a that's a whole other beast in itself. But I, this. You know, everything has its market, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that I think that the new the new Ursa Mini is it, it has its market, right? If you're gonna be I don't know, down sampled twelve K would look pretty good in four K. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. so if you're if you're shooting I don't know, if you're shooting for the big screen, why not? You know, because if you're shooting for the big screen, then you probably have editors that can edit for the big screen, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I think in those 
cases, that's fine. Um, but there's the thing is the price point doesn't really reflect that. Well, yeah, because those people that are at that high of a level, they're going to be shooting on like Aries or yeah. Reds or... I don't know. Is is Black Magic, are they, are they trying to break into that world though? Is that what... Uh, that might be what's going on here is they're trying to become a... Uh, trying to get a bigger footprint in yeah. that world and, and be, you know, more of a competitor. Cause I mean, there's plenty of people that use like the Ursas and the Ursa minis and, and all that stuff. And, but like this kind of camera with it more, it's even more of a, like a, a prosumer price point kind of, it's definitely yeah. on the higher end of it, but I can't remember what the price was. It was, what was it? I remember seeing it and being like, that's kind of, that's kind of low. <laughs> We have the magic of technology. It's yes. uh, 10,000. Yeah, that's low, right? Yeah. That's low for a 12K camera, I think. I, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to get a bigger footprint in that in that cinema world. And yeah. and uh, those kind of specs at that kind of price point might might give them the, the ability to do that. So yeah, I, 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 I'm going to be very know. interested to see like people actually reviewing it because it's not actually out yet, I, I believe. Like, no, I, don't I don't think you think can so. actually buy it yet. Uh, but I'm super curious because I've heard some people saying, saying that like because of the quality of the sensor, it's really only as good as like 6K. So you might as well like shoot like red 6K and it'd be the same quality as this Blackmagic RAW 12K. Um, so I'm really curious about that and just yeah. seeing. Because all we have right now is just some sample clips from Blackmagic. Um, so I'm working on an update to our Resolve benchmark, which hopefully I'll oh, be nice. able to have done soon. Um, and I went ahead and threw in 12K Blackmagic RAW because, like, we're going to get questions. People are going to ask. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah um, of course. And I'm actually surprised at how well it's doing. Like, it seems like a lot of our test systems with, you know, mid-upper range hardware should be able to do, like, 24 FPS clips real time. Yeah, nice. that's the beauty of Blackmagic RAW, though. I don't know what I don't know. It's one of those things. Like I don't know what they did, but Black Magic Black Magic Raw in DaVinci Resolve specifically is so easy to work with. Like I was able to work with 4K B Raw on my old HP NV X360, and like I was telling you guys before the stream, it was eight gigabytes of RAM. Uh, uh, what was it? Nvidia Two video RAM. Yeah, no, it was one. It was a, it was, yeah, it was a NVIDIA GTX 930M with two gigabytes of VRAM. Right. And I was editing 4K B-roll on that thing. That's awesome. Yeah. I wonder it, though, there's probably, there's probably some secret sauce because it's Blackmagic's like codec, if I'm using yeah. the right term, in their software. So like they, they probably play well together because well, yeah. it's, I mean, you know, it's hand They in also hand. have a, they have a plugin for Premiere. So you, you can do it. Uh, I've heard it's terrible. Right. Well, then there you go. <laughs> oh. We good? Yep. Now you're good. Oh, all right. Oh, Matt. Matt, Matt dipped out there Matt for dropped a second. Out. That's there where he was. Uh, I was like, what? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I was like, where did he go? That's all right. He, yeah, you guys are sounding a little robot to me. So it, oh. it's probably my internet. Yeah. It, it happens. Hey, you know what? We made it pretty much through the whole thing without any serious issues. So I'll, I'll take that as a win. There we go. <laughs> That's always because uh, sometimes sometimes it's me weirding out or or just the call in general just gets funny sometimes. And uh, I imagine I imagine the infrastructure in general with 
thousands and thousands of people using Zoom for their various <laughs> needs. Um, yep. You know, we're just <laughs> we're good to we're good. So, um, but we do we have reached about our hour. So, um, if right. there's any other questions from the audience, let's get them in now. Um, otherwise, Jay, is there anything uh, you'd like to to mention, shout out, or? or otherwise promote while we have a, a bit of a captive audience uh, promote <laughs> uh, <laughs> promote yeah watch the video that comes out tomorrow if you guys want to uh if you guys want to to, to dive in and, and see what's inside of one of these machines that puget can build for you i'm unboxing one tomorrow on my channel uh it's it's a really fun video and uh and i promise no pcs were harmed in the making of the video You'll see what I mean. If you guys watch it tomorrow and you watch that opening sequence, you'll see what I mean. Did you drop it? Uh oh. Uh, no, I didn't I didn't I didn't drop it. Maybe maybe the box pretending <laughs> that it's it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, come on, this thing weighs 70 pounds. I have to film myself getting, you know, getting it up the stairs in my house. <laughs> But I was What's like, funny? I don't want to actually, I don't want to, I, I had the thought after it was already up the stairs of my house. I was like, let's unbox this thing and then tape the box back up and do that whole sequence. <laughs> nice. it's, it's, I, I got to throw out a little, little thing. Um, yeah, I, we always think our computers are heavy. And then we got in one of the new Mac Pros to do oh, some God. testing with. Oh my goodness, that thing weighs like 100 pounds. Like literally, like I had to get a second person to help me carry it upstairs. Like I couldn't wow. carry it up the stairs myself. It was That's nuts. That's crazy thing because like that case looks to be like milled from one chunk of aluminum sort of thing. So like a cheese yeah. grater. Yeah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Well, I was surprised. Much. Like the boxes, like just the boxes, weighed like twenty or twenty-five pounds because they used some like crazy cardboard or something in it. Interesting. Wow. That's was it like it was full, backed out fifty thousand dollars? Uh, it was one we actually borrowed it from Linus Linus Tech Tips. Oh, nice! Um, they owed us a favor, so they sent us the one that they got, and it was actually really interesting. It was like decked out on CPU and video card, and then it had mm -hmm. like sixteen gigs of RAM because they just replaced the RAM with their own because it, upgrading the RAM okay. is super easy. So we did yeah. the same thing. We just upgraded the RAM to one hundred twenty-eight or two hundred fifty-six gigs because. We have it. Like, yeah, I understand. They didn't want to pay an extra twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars. So yeah, right. I, I was actually just listening uh, one of my favorite podcasts called Tuxedo Time with uh, Becky and Chris. They were just talking. She had just uh, Becky had just bought a Mac Pro, and they were talking about it and how yeah they're they're just going to upgrade the RAM themselves because I mean yeah. why wouldn't you if it's yeah, easy right. why not do it yourself yeah yeah because you can do that like video cards not really as easy in the new new ones without their dangling cooling CPU now. Um, especially because right. apples are always like special cpus like they're not normal ones from intel um right but ram ram's ram yeah. whatever one one last quick question recommendation for disk optimization with davinci resolve i i just saw that question uh for disk optimization i'm actually going to uh defer to you guys i'm going through like all of your content right now mm -hmm. your blog yeah. uh and and figuring out how to to, to optimize everything and, and, and all that stuff. So I'm going to defer to you on that question. I like this question because I know that we have put out content for Premiere uh, mm -hmm. addressing this exact topic. And so I'm curious to see if it's any different or if we're just... So Matt? You know, I, I, it is a little bit different because of how Resolve handles like your projects and stuff. 
Honestly, I don't think it's all that important. I think it's more, it comes down to how you want to organize your stuff um, than anything else. What I usually tell people is your main drive, like your OS and applications and stuff, I would keep that its own thing. Um, and like, you can put like, yeah, your downloads folder and stuff is in there, but that that's like your, that kind of stuff, I keep it on its own drive. And then I would have a dedicated drive for like your, your project media, like your media, your assets and all that kind of stuff. But beyond that, for Resolve, I wouldn't really worry about much more than that. I mean, if you want to have two drives, like one for your optimized media and one for your primary, I, I guess go for it. But I wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, in Premiere and a lot of Adobe apps, the one thing that's different is their cache files and like their media cache and stuff um, really eats up like both space and like... Um, it has a whole lot of reads and writes and SSDs have a finite number of writes you can do. So we usually mm. tell people to put those cache files on its own drive because it'll mm. eat through the lifespan of that drive. And then if that drive fails, well, you still have all your assets. All you've lost is your temporary stuff that like will just be regenerated next time you open a project. Uh, but because of how Resolve does the databases or the projects in a database, like an SQL database, right? It's just, it's just not as big of a deal. I mean, I guess you can put that on its own drive, but I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, would it make I, uh, a difference? I, have, I don't. Would it make a difference if? Oh well, like say, would you want uh, like your the project files, the stuff you're actually working on? Would you want those on NVMe versus regular SSD? Is that going to matter? Yeah, SSD is fine. I mean, because like think about like the bit rate of like the stuff you're going to be working with. Like it's not anywhere near 500 megabytes a second that an SSD can do. Uh, okay. I mean, maybe if you're doing like you know, four camera, multi-cam, 4K raw or 8K or full K black magic raw or something, then yeah, maybe you want to have something, but usually it's just, it doesn't make a difference in the real world. Like, yeah, you might be able to copy your stuff around like between multiple drives faster if you have like two NVMEs, but how often do you inside your computer copy from one drive to another? Like you just don't really do that unless you're copying to like a hard drive for like uh, storage. Archive, in that case, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're copying from an NVMe or, or a SATA SSD. Like the hard drive is going to be the limiting question. Yeah, I mean that's basically how I have it set up. Is just like you said, I've got you know operating system and apps on OneDrive and downloads folder, mm -hmm. but that gets emptied out pretty quickly. And then it's basically everything that I download immediately goes into some kind of you know folder because it's going into a project. Mm -hmm. So, and then all my project stuff, including the, the database and the cache are all on the, on the, uh, the storage. other advantage of doing that, that way too, just keeping your OS drive is just like OS and applications is, uh, if windows decides to update and, uh, screw <laughs> something up, you still have all of your projects. Uh, or if you need to do a reinstall, what I usually, I, I try to do a reinstall every year or two, just because all of those constant windows updates, it leaves all these like crap files. Mm -hmm. um, so just doing a clean reinstall every year or two. And what I do is I open my computer and I unplug my secondary drive. Like I don't want to screw up and accidentally start a Windows OS install onto my secondary drive. That's, uh, that's all my important uh, stuff. So I actually just unplug that drive and then I do a Windows install and then I replug it in just, just to be safe. Like if you're like careful, it shouldn't sure. happen. But... Right. Nice. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And then I guess we'll we'll slip one last in one last question <laughs> in. What is a good cloud storage option? Uh, I can tell you the ones that I hear about. Is Google Drive one of them? Because that's what I yeah, use. Yeah, 
Yeah. If you pay, Google if you pay Drive. for it, it's unlimited. It's unlimited storage, and it's not that expensive. So. Yeah. Yeah. Google Drive's great. We use that a lot ourselves. Um, I mean, you got like Dropbox. You've got Amazon Web Storage if you really want to go that way. I think Dropbox is better than Amazon. Um, the big one that we hear a lot about, especially for like archiving, is Backblaze. Uh, yeah. Because Backblaze is pretty darn cheap for yeah. what you're getting. Uh, but you just have to remember that like archival cloud storage is very different. Like you pay uh, for storing it, but you also pay a fee whenever you download because it's intended for you upload there and then you like you never have to access it it's, unless you really need to. So you do pay for download and that's why it's so cheap uh, to store stuff. But for that kind of yeah. a thing, Backblaze is awesome. Yeah, I looked into Backblaze at one point. I think I had temporarily forgotten. Oh wait, I have unlimited storage in Google Drive. Why am I looking at other cloud storage? <laughs> yeah. So, well, but yeah, I right. looked into them. It seemed interesting. Cool. Well, I think uh, that about does it for us then. So uh, I'll say thank you, Jay, for taking time out of the day. Uh, I know you. I, I didn't realize you had quite so much live streaming doing on uh, on Wednesdays, but I appreciate you, you know, coming in on this one after a short break from your own. So thank you, thank you for that. Uh, Matt, no as well, Thanks thank for you for, for joining us as well for our little Workflow Wednesday, uh, where we bring industry experts on to answer a little, some questions and give a little perspective on their workflow and inside their own little industries and things. Um, we do this every Wednesday and Friday at one o'clock Pacific. Wednesdays are the industry experts like Jay. Uh, and then on Fridays, we bring, we do a little kind of an internal talk with our own experts, um, which we cover kind of the crossover there of hardware and software and what it takes to kind of accomplish what it is you're looking to do. And uh, we'll also thank the audience as well for joining us. And uh, we'll see you all guys next time. All right. See ya.